You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW Talknet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us this uh, busy week. Uh, lots of court hearings on the Clinton email scandal. Yes, it's back. Even the Benghazi scandal is back. Good news for justice with the approval of Justice Kavanaugh. Plus, Judicial Watch had a big victory in court recently against Antifa activists trying to shut down one of our key investigations in California. So a lot to talk about today. Uh, Let's first talk about the good news, which is the approval or the confirmation of Judge Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court of the United States, where he is now an associate justice of the Supreme Court. The effort to overturn the Senate, the effort to overthrow the Senate by the left with violence and intimidation tactics didn't work. And thankfully, a majority of the senators uh, voted for uh, Judge Kavanaugh, despite efforts, as I point out, to disrupt the Senate. And he was confirmed on Saturday. Uh, He was sworn in almost immediately, and he was uh, ceremoniously uh, sworn in at the White House on Monday evening. And I was honored to be invited uh, by the president to attend that uh, swearing in in the East Room of the White House. So that was exciting to go there on Judicial Watch's behalf, and I was there representing you as well. And it was quite an event, and I was particularly glad that President Trump uh, began his remarks uh, at the event by apologizing to Judge Kavanaugh on behalf of America for what he had to go through to be confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States. It's a small room. I'll take you a little bit, give you a little inside information as to what goes on at these White House events. Uh, you're ushered into what is, relatively speaking, a small room given the number of people that are there. You had senators there, you had federal court judges there. And I was particularly gratified to see the entire Supreme Court uh, also join the event. They were there in the East Room as well. So uh, Judge uh, Justice Kavanaugh gave an excellent speech as well. Uh, his family was there. Uh, so it was real, uh, a real honor to be present uh, to witness a little bit of uh, excitement and celebration after weeks and weeks of uh, torture and abuse uh, by leftists in the Senate their allies, and uh, in some cases, witnesses who were maliciously making up information to try to destroy Judge Kavanaugh and his family. And I'm thankful that Justice Kavanaugh is now on the Supreme Court. I think he's going to be a leader on the court. Uh, Despite all the craziness about his, uh, uh, the specious allegations about uh, his attacking women, which were unfounded, we know that Justice Kavanaugh is a conservative jurist. And I think he's going to be a leader on the court. I think uh, we're going to be quite pleased with the results. Now, it's not to say he's going to rule the right way every time. Uh, I don't agree with every justice on the court, even the most conservative justices, uh, the way they rule on particular issues. Uh, But I think he's going to be a reliable voice for the rule of law, uh, for an approach to the Constitution, Uh, that respects it as opposed uh, to the traditional liberal activist approach where these liberal politicians in robes substitute their own judgment for what the law says or what the Constitution says. Uh, So we have Justice Gorsuch on the court, Justice Kavanaugh on the court. 
So the president must be real pleased because it's rare that presidents even get two uh, justices to appoint to the Supreme Court. And this president has gotten two of those, uh, two opportunities in his first two years in office. Uh, so uh, the question now is, what are we going to do? What's the aftermath here? As I said earlier, there was an assault on the Senate. There was an attempt to overthrow the Senate through violence and intimidation. Senators were being threatened. Uh, Senator Collins, who, who heroically came out in favor of Judge uh, Kavanaugh's confirmation to the Supreme Court, was under attack. Uh, protesters went to her home. Uh, I'm aware of uh, some conservative uh, voices who are up on the court to show, uh, excuse me, up in the Senate to show their support for uh, Justice Kavanaugh. Uh, some of them were assaulted. So leftists were assaulting conservative women who were showing up to uh, lawfully show their support for uh, Judge Kavanaugh's confirmation. And you can bet the senators were being intimidated. I was aware that staff had locked their doors for fear of violence and that it was a near riot situation. So uh, the Senate's got to make some tough choices here about public access to its building is during these controversial uh, situations. Uh, the Senate has to decide how it's going to handle the corruption in its ranks. Remember, we had issues related to the leaking of confidential information about Justice Kavanaugh. We had Cory Booker, the senator from New Jersey, happily leak information or put confidential information onto the Internet in violation of Senate rules, the violation of which would cause or should cause his expulsion under the rule. And, of course, only Judicial Watch went in there and filed an ethics complaint against Senator Booker. So here's a little project for you. You've already been told repeatedly by yours truly to call the Senate about Justice Kavanaugh's confirmation. You have its number. It's 202-224-3121. We'll call the Senate and ask your senators to support an ethics move against Senator Booker over his knowing and admitted violations of rules that if he's found liable for would require his expulsion from the Senate. The question for the Senate is, is it going to let mob rule run the, run the, uh, run the Senate or is it going to be a rule of law approach? And it's one thing to have mob rule from the outside and have these leftist agitators go in there and try to disrupt, threaten, and uh, really, as I say, overthrow the Senate, the operations of the Senate. But what about the internal disruption? where you've got people like Senator Booker breaking the rules, again, disrupting the Senate, trying to overthrow the Senate in many ways, and is he going to be punished for it? Now, other senators supported him, so there may be investigations required there. Uh, and you can bet Judicial Watch isn't going to stop. We're going to keep on pushing this. There may be other ethics complaints we file against senators. We're looking at the behavior of outside groups and lawyers and witnesses. We're going to be asking all the questions because the left has decided that violence and intimidation is now something they're going to use. And it's, and it's been thrust into the forefront of leftist tactics to take back power. And you know how bad it is? You had Hillary Clinton out there just this week say, for instance, the former nominee for the, Demo for the presidency saying that we shouldn't be civil anymore. That will only be civil if Democrats take control of the House and the Senate again or take control of Congress again. What is the opposite of civil? Civil war? Violence? 
Attorney General Holder, the disgraced Attorney General under Barack Obama, disgraceful as well. Remember, he was found in contempt for his cover-up of the Fast and Furious records. And of course, he allowed all those Fast and Furious guns to walk out of the United States into Mexico. And the plan was that that we hope these guns show up at crime scenes. Well, they did. Hundreds of people were hundreds of people were killed as a result of Eric Holder's Fast and Furious program, including Brian Terry, a Border Patrol agent. So he already has hundreds of death, deaths on his hands. So he's quoted in a, there was a videotape of him speaking to a, an audience earlier this week, where he said, uh, "You know, Michelle Obama says when they go low, we go high." And you know what he said? No, when we they go low, we kick them. So you have the former Attorney General of the United States under Barack Obama advocating violence. I don't know how you trade. Now, he walked back that later. He said, well, I didn't mean violence. That's just fake news. Oh, come on. He said what he said. You had Hillary Clinton advocate violence, inciting violence. You had Eric Holder do that. You had protesters do that. You had senators defending the protesters doing that. You had Cory Booker breaking the rules. And then, of course, over in the House, what did you have? You had Maxine Waters talking about uh, uh, people confronting and getting in the face of cabinet officials of President Trump. You had one uh, opinion person talk about pursuing people where they sleep. Outright illegal behavior. This is the left. They're taken off the gloves to the degree they even had them on. Now, I think our approach has got to be a rule of law approach. And this isn't Democrat versus Republican. This isn't conservative versus liberal. This is those of us who want to defend the republic versus those of us who want to overturn our republican form of government through mob violence and mob rule. And let me just say this, because I think the two are linked, and the media won't tell you how they're linked. This is what the left did. They used fake evidence, politicized evidence, to try to overturn the presidency through the Russia investigation. Then they turned to Justice Kavanaugh, or then Judge Kavanaugh. Fake evidence, politicized evidence, government abuse, misusing the FBI to try to overturn the Senate and impact the Supreme Court. They lost that fight, so what are they doing? They're going to go back to President Trump again and try to overturn his presidency. This threat to the rule of law is widespread. And again, it's only Judicial Watch that's in court. We're demanding justice from the House and the Senate. We filed an ethics complaint against Booker. We filed an ethics complaint against Maxine Waters for inciting violence. And of course, we're in court on at least 30-plus lawsuits trying to get justice and expose the deep state conspiracy to overthrow the presidency. So it's not just about Justice Kavanaugh. What happened to him was a travesty. I tell you, uh, I said this on a video we did for Judicial Watch earlier this week. I would love it if Justice Kavanaugh would sue those who defamed him in this process. I would just love it. For obvious reasons, he probably won't sue. But we've got to think of different legal tacks to take on uh, these lawless attacks on our institutions. And what Judicial Watch does is we try to uphold the rule of law through our litigation, 
by holding the government to account and exposing what's going on. And uh, uh, so we're not giving up on justice for Justice Kavanaugh. It was a great day that he was confirmed to the United States Supreme Court, but it was a day that came weeks too late after weeks of attacks speciously, as I said, on him and on our republic. So the republic took a body blow, and we got to recover. So uh, speaking of Hillary Clinton, <laughs> we're back with Hillary Clinton. We've got new emails showing more national security crimes by Hillary Clinton, and Judicial Watch was in federal court twice this week, twice this week trying to get answers on the Clinton email scandal, and I'll give you reports on that. First up, though, are the new emails that we uncovered. We have, uh, again, new emails that Hillary Clinton had tried to either delete or hide from the American people. So these are the emails that the FBI went and supposedly recovered or attempted to recover from the materials that she did not turn back over to the State Department. Remember, she had supposedly 60,000 emails, but she turned over only half of them to the Supreme Court. But uh, she withheld the other half, saying that they were personal and about yoga and such. I haven't seen any yoga emails, by the way. And so they, those other emails, those 33,000 emails, as has famously been highlighted by the president repeatedly, were deleted. Now, of course, you know, you never really delete everything, uh, even when you try to delete things. So the FBI went and recovered some of them. And some of the emails that have been recovered, and again, it's only Judicial Watch that's pursuing this, have been uncovered and produced to Judicial Watch because we've asked for all of the emails. They are, uh, include 288 new pages of emails. They include, again, classified information. Classified information was part of a, let me get my glasses on so I can read for you. Classified information was sent in January 2010 uh, from Jake Sullivan to Hillary Clinton and Yuma Abedin, her top aide, and he pasted material from another document. So he looks like he transferred classified information from another document to send it to Hillary Clinton on her unsecure server. And this material was from uh, the former Prime Minister of Great Britain, Tony Blair, uh, about uh, the Northern Ireland peace process. Classified information. How do we know it's classified? Because the government blacked it out and told us it was classified as the reason for not giving it to us. Another information was from Clinton advisor Sid Blumenthal, who had been barred from the State Department. He was a kind of one of Clinton's um, attack dogs. She, he had worked with Hillary Clinton in the Clinton White House, was very close to uh, the Clintons, and was known for viciously smearing those who stood against Clinton corruption. And it was, he was so despicable a figure that even the Obama White House didn't want him in the State Department. So that was no bar to Hillary Clinton, who used him as a secret advisor, as we uncovered in her emails, on all sorts of issues, including, in this case, uh, information about the change of government in uh, Kyrgyzstan. Information he sent to her was classified. Now, remember, Blumenthal was also at the Clinton Foundation. So you had the Clinton Foundation, through Sidney Blumenthal, its employee, running or helping Hillary Clinton uh, handle the State Department issues. Remember, the big lie. Clinton Foundation had nothing to do with the Clinton State Department. Big lie. We've exposed it. 
The emails include a classified 2009 email from Jake Sullivan, again, one of her top aides, to Clinton and her aide, Cheryl Mills. And remember this name, Cheryl Mills, who was his, her counselor, I think chief of staff, again, about Northern Ireland. And there are other emails that aren't classified, but sensitive and show uh, some interesting things. They had a category of applicants at the State Department called friends and family. Huh, how did you become a friend of Hillary Clinton? Money. A November 2006 email, uh, a November 2009 email, details again a memo Blumenthal sent to Clinton suggesting material for a planned speech in Berlin. Due to the, this is a little synonymous, due to the need to produce the second Atlantic Council speech, I guess they were busy, we're just going to run with Sid's draft. Sid Blumenthal was writing Hillary Clinton's speeches. Sid Blumenthal, by the way, has also been tied to the dirty, shady dossier. He laundered it through the State Department of John Kerry into the FBI and DOJ. Blumenthal's hands are all, fingerprints are all over the shady dossier used illicitly to spy on or justify getting spy warrants to target Donald Trump and justify a Mueller investigation. The corruption is just unbelievable. Um, Bill Clinton's writing a speech for Hillary Clinton. I guess that's not as scandalous. But again, Bill Clinton was supposed to maintain a wall of separation with the State Department on policy issues because of his conflicts of interest. As a result of him walking, going around the world, getting six-figure incomes and plus more, now that we know the Russians were uh, giving them millions to ensure a good result on Uranium One, Bill Clinton is, uh, has a hand in writing the speech in... Uh, uh, for Hillary to the Council on Foreign Relations back in 2009. And there's more here, and you can go to our internet site to read it all. But Judicial Watch is getting the information. Congress isn't getting these new emails. It's only Judicial Watch. So what had happened was that Judicial Watch had asked for all these emails, and finally, I think they've now finished producing all the records to us. So we were in court yesterday, our lawyer, Lauren Burke, um, now, when in these court hearings, I go and I just have to sit there. Uh, I'm the client as president of Judicial Watch. I'm not a lawyer. So we have a team of Judicial Watch lawyers uh, that, do, that, that do the legal heavy lifting for us. I get to come on and talk about their great work. So I've got the great, greatest job in the world. Uh, and uh, Lauren uh, was uh, up there in court yesterday because they've turned over the records to us. But they've withheld thousands of documents in whole and in part, including documents entirely. For instance, I don't know where the records are between showing emails between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Were they withheld entirely? I'm not sure where they are in the material we've received. Another interesting piece of information. So we're trying to negotiate with the State Department about getting those records and litigating the records they've withheld from us. You would think it would be easy-peasy given that the Trump administration's running the show now. No, nothing's changed. State Department hasn't changed their positions one iota, nor has the Justice Department. And wait till I tell you what the Justice Department was doing this morning. It's even worse than you know. 
So there are thousands of records that we're going to have to negotiate with and that process, uh, with the State Department over from Hillary Clinton that they're withholding. And uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit about one interesting detail. Remember those 33,000 emails that Hillary Clinton deleted? The FBI tried to go out and recover and otherwise find? Now, we know the FBI didn't do a good job, right? Remember the Yuma Abedin laptop? There they didn't take all the emails or review them improperly or only reviewed them partially according to reports. Well, I can tell you, because I've figured out the numbers, consulting with my colleagues, as best as I can tell, of the 33,000 emails Hillary Clinton deleted or otherwise hid from the American people, the FBI was only able to recover 5,000 of them. So so 33,000 minus 5 is what, 28,000? There are 28,000 documents that Hillary Clinton deleted. Now, remember, she said she just deleted material that was personal. That's a big lie, because I just told you about classified documents. There are hundreds of classified documents that were in the materials Hillary Clinton said were personal. 5,000 documents were government documents. So this is, this is a sort of criminality that I think needed to be pursued by the Justice Department and the FBI. Obviously, during the Obama administration, we all know about the sham FBI investigation, the the, uh, tarmac meeting. That Justice Department investigation was compromised. And, of course, they're working with the Clinton operation at the same time they're investigating them. How are they working with them? To target Donald Trump. So we knew how that Clinton email investigation was going to turn out. But what is this Justice Department and FBI doing about this? Every instance of a classified email being an unsecure system, despite warnings that she should not be doing this, that's a, that's a crime. No matter what James Comey said, is James Comey still running the FBI and Justice Department? You would think so. She took documents, government documents, and knowingly destroyed them. We would never have known about these documents but for Judicial Watch because it was a Judicial Watch FOIA lawsuit and request for Benghazi records and requests about conflicts of interest that Bill Clinton had that pressured the the State Department to get the Clinton emails back and finally admit them to us. Well, they never really admitted it to us. It was that Benghazi case. We asked for documents about the talking points because we had already uncovered that the Clinton White House or the Obama White House had had, uh, come up with the fraudulent talking points about Benghazi, but there were no Clinton emails. So we asked again, where are the Clinton emails? And finally, it's exposed, thanks to the pressure from our litigation, that there were all these emails on her her private server, unsecured, that the State Department knew she was doing, but not one FOIA uh, was adequately responded to, not one congressional subpoena. And we were lied to, the courts were lied to, but we broke it open. And that's what we were in court this morning about, because when you thwart FOIA, when you thwart the law, when you mislead courts, the courts don't like it. 
And typically under the Freedom of Information Act, the litigation is straightforward. You have questions about documents, you sue, the government comes back and say, we'll give you the documents by this date. We complain it takes too long. Sometimes the courts agree with us, sometimes they don't. We get the documents, some documents are withheld. We fight about that a little bit, but typically it's a paper battle. There are court hearings where we have to appear, our lawyers do, and argue our case. But it's, it's, not, um, it's not that common for government officials to have to come in and testify. And that's what's at issue here. We've already had testimony in one of our cases where Cheryl Mills testified. Hillary Clinton was put under oath, at least through written interrogatories. We couldn't ask her the questions in person. We had to propound the questions, send her questions that were written, and she responded under oath. And we're still fighting with her about whether she's going to answer some more questions because she refused to answer some of them. But separately, in this Benghazi case I told you about that broke open the Clinton email scandal, Judge Royce Lamberth is still considering our requests to have Hillary Clinton come in under oath and answer questions directly. To that end, he called for a hearing this morning. And the hearing, uh, and I'll tell you what he wrote as he called for the hearing. Hold on a second. I got some papers here. Two and a half years ago, the court granted plaintiff's request for limited discovery, mindful of parallel proceeding before Judge Sullivan. This is the case I'm talking about where we received testimony from Cheryl Mills and Yuma Abedin and the written material from Hillary Clinton. And the ongoing inquiries by the State Department's Inspector General, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and the House Select Committee on Benghazi, since those proceedings had concluded, it is time to set a plan for further proceedings in this case. So we've been waiting for two years to hear from Judge, Sullivan, uh, Judge Lamberth as to our request to depose Hillary Clinton. So essentially, we want to know about the bad faith in searching for the documents about these talking points, Hillary Clinton's emails, why we weren't told outright about the emails, and this is what happened. We sued, and we pushed and pushed, and they came back and told us there were other emails to search, but they never told the court there were the Clinton emails that they had just uncovered. They never told us. In fact, they wanted us to shut the case down before telling us about the Clinton emails. That's the bad faith we want investigated. And we want to answer, ask Hillary Clinton some questions about this, Cheryl Mills some questions about this, and get some more information from the government about how they handled these, these and other FOIA requests. Well, Judge Lambert, so I went to the hearing this morning with Ramona Kutka, who you may have heard from, about from me, and she, I know she's appeared on some Judicial Watch videos as well, and I know Lauren has been on Judicial Watch videos, who handled our case yesterday. So again, I go into court with uh, Ramona, and Ramona's handling the case from us. And Judge Lamberth comes out and says the following, and I'm quoting by memory, but it's pretty close. He was upset to read the IG report, the famous IG report uh, by the Justice Department on the Clinton email matter, to see that in the IG report that Cheryl Mills, Clinton's, uh, as I said, counsel, Deputy, I think Chief of Staff, was granted immunity by the Justice Department, especially since Judge Lamberth, he said, this is Judge Lamberth saying this, especially since he had found her to have committed perjury in another Judicial Watch case. He was also upset by the false statements to him uh, by the State Department and the Justice Department. Now, what was that other case that Judge Lamberth was referencing? This was Judicial Watch's case in the FBI Filegate matter. This is what bugs me about this Clinton email matter. 
I keep on calling it matter, forgive me. I don't believe it's a matter. I think it was a criminal enterprise. <laughs> but it's a shorthand way of calling it. Back during this FBI files case we had been pursuing, we found out in the White House, the Clinton White House had a bunch of emails that they knew wasn't being records managed, meaning put in a pot that would be searched in response to Judicial Watch's uh, request for documents in the litigation and congressional subpoenas and then a special counsel investigation. Uh, there was a whistleblower who came forward and told us that from the White House. So essentially there were all these emails that weren't being searched and they didn't want to tell anybody that we weren't looking at those particular emails. Who was involved in covering that up? Cheryl Mills. And Judge Lamberth in specifically found her behavior to be loathsome and entirely inadequate uh, because she didn't tell anyone about this despite her knowing that these emails had not been searched. And outrageously, there was never an obstruction of justice uh, brought against anybody in the Clinton White House for covering this up. Uh, Judge Lamberth, um, I, I don't recall he even did much about it, even though he was outraged about what uh, specifically Cheryl Mills did. So this wasn't the first time emails had been hidden from us. So, uh, the pre but of course, Judge Lamberth remembered that. And still he was upset about what the Justice Department and the State Department had done in lying to the courts and, frankly, the American people about the Clinton email issue. So that was what the hearing was about. And this is what was outrageous about the hearing. We had a Justice Department attorney. The State Department has taken the position still, two years after President Trump has been elected, that Hillary Clinton and the State Department should have to answer no more questions on the corruption involved in the Clinton email scandal, about how, how, it, how it obstructed our FOIAs, how the courts were misled, how documents went missing and were destroyed, as I said, the 28,000 that are now permanently missing, unless the FBI is told to do something else, or the courts intervene and get the State Department to do something else. And we had a Justice Department lawyer in an effort to, to stop Judicial Watch's request for discovery, prevent more questions from being answered, cite the FBI sham investigation as reason not to do anything because the FBI looked into it and quoting James Comey as a reason not to do anything. Who is running the Justice Department? Who is running the State Department that this is their position? By the way, we asked them, have you changed your position? They haven't, meaning from the days of Obama and the early days of the Trump administration before anyone was really appointed. They haven't changed their position. And Judge Lamberth was very upset with the Justice Department for lying to him. And they're trying to explain that they didn't lie to him when, in fact, they did lead, mislead him. So I don't know what Judge Lamberth is going to do. I suspect we're going to get some discovery, but I don't know. But it was quite the hearing to see the judge tear into the Justice Department that is still defending Hillary Clinton. We are in court next week. As I said, Hillary Clinton took these records illegally, destroyed some of them, the law requires that when that happens, an agency write a letter and get the Justice Department to do something about it. This State Department objects to having to do that. And we're going to be in court before an appellate court next week trying to get a district court that had already been overruled once, the lower court, in not forcing the, Justice, the State Department to do something. 
to get the lower court to get the State Department to do what the law requires here. The State Department doesn't want to tell the Justice Department to go out and get the rest of Hillary Clinton's records, even though there's all this information that not enough was done to get them. We are fighting the Justice Department and the State Department in two court hearings this week, one court hearing next week, and then in November, another court hearing in our efforts to compel Hillary Clinton to give us more answers. This Justice Department. So I know the president's upset with Jeff Sessions about his outrageous recusal in the Russia investigation and allowing this out-of-control uh, Mueller special counsel. He should be upset with Sessions about allowing Hillary Clinton to be protected, corruptly in my view. by Justice Department lawyers. And he should ask Mike Pompeo, who I know he likes, well, Mike, what's going on here with your State Department? You need to run your State Department because it's like the Obama administration still running it. And Frank, it's a little bit worse since they don't think anyone's watching. At least during the Obama administration in the middle of the Hillary Clinton emails, the, the uh, State Department realized they had all the courts and all the media and everyone watching what was going on because there was a presidential campaign. Now they think the pressure's off, and they don't want to do anything. And it's only Judicial Watch that's in court forcing all of this. Hillary Clinton hasn't gone away. She's still a powerful political figure. She's making a tour involving herself in politics, which is her right under the law. Unlike the left, I don't think people should be suppressed and be prevented from speaking. The point is, it's still important to hold her accountable. She's a powerful politician. She may run for the presidency again, again, which is her right. Yet this Justice Department and State Department is still trying to protect her. It's really outrageous. But Judicial Watch is in court. We're doing the work on your behalf. We're putting the, keeping the pressure on. Congress is AWOL. You won't hear a peep from Congress for months on this, I guarantee you. And the Justice Department and the State Department are on Hillary's side on these issues. So I'm proud that Judicial Watch is doing the work on your behalf. So I don't know what Judge Lamberth is going to do. Uh, I suspect we'll get some discovery, but I'll keep you apprised because, as I said, there's another court hearing next week and uh, another court hearing in November on more Hillary Clinton emails. So who knows what's going to happen, but... Uh, the Hillary Clinton email scandal uh, isn't just over. It's probably we're right in the middle of it, given all the court activity. So we had another uh, interesting fight. I was talking about left-wing violence earlier. Well, you may not know this, but we had sued in um, California uh, for records about a Antifa activist, A-N-T-I-F-A, I call it Antifa, who was violent. She had been arrested for rioting and assault. She was a teacher in uh, Berkeley. And it, we had asked for documents about what she was up to as a teacher. We asked what we typically do. We do FOIAs for people like that. What are you doing? You, you've been arrested for committing acts of violence and riot? We want to know what's going on. Give us some emails about it. So what had happened was that her leftist allies in the Antifa movement sued 
in federal court to prevent us from getting state records about what she was up to. And the name of the individual is Yvette Falarka. We had sued the Berkeley Unified School District, which is where, where she's a middle school teacher. And as I said, there was this federal court action to stop us. Now, we have filed thousands of FOIA loss request, requests, hundreds of lawsuits. Never once have we been sued in federal court to stop us from pursuing a state FOIA lawsuit. I mean, obviously, it doesn't make any sense. A third party has never sued to stop us before. But these Antifa radicals came in and tried to sue us in federal court. Now, I thought it was without merit from the get-go, but sometimes you get stuck in court, even on meritless lawsuits. But thankfully, back on October 4th, I don't think I talked about this last week, but on October 4th, we had a big court hearing because it's basically come to a head legally. And the court found that the um, lawsuit trying to block us from getting records about her violent activism was entirely frivolous. And this was from an Obama appointee. So that was the ruling from the bench. We're going to get a written ruling after that. But this is a sort of battle that Judicial Watch has to engage in to get basic information about the violent left and Antifa. They came in, filed an outrageous federal lawsuit that would have prevented us from getting records about what one of their activists who was working for you, or at least the citizens of California, as a school teacher. Now, Falarka is an unbelievable character. She works at the Martin Luther King Middle School and is a prominent figure in the, quote, by any means necessary, BAM. By any means necessary. What does that sound like to you? And the name itself endorses violence. Sounds like something Eric, uh, sounds like something Eric Holder and Hillary Clinton would be saying this week. It's an organized militant group founded by the Marxist Revolutionaries, Revolutionary Workers League that uses raucous, that's, that's a charitable way, militant tactics to protest conservative-speaking engagements. <clears throat> so in 2016, Forlarka and her radical pals were arrested and charged with several crimes, including felony assault for inciting a riot in Sacramento. She was captured on video calling a man a Nazi and punching him repeatedly in the stomach while cursing at him. More than a dozen people were injured at the riot, with at least 10 stab wounds, and the Capitol grounds at the time suffered thousands of dollars in property language. Now, she accused everyone of going after her of being on a witch hunt. I mean, you should see the language that she and her lawyers used about Judicial Watch. I'm not going to repeat it because it was defamatory and libelous and smears. They hate being asked questions. And I'm glad that after... uh, Years, I think it's just two years now that we've been pushing this, well over a year and a half at least, we finally got the federal court to stop her obstruction with this frivolous lawsuit. But these are the sorts of cases that don't get a lot of attention, but should. This teacher, who I think is still employed, had her leftist lawyer friends come in and file an outrageous lawsuit in federal court to prevent you from finding out what she was up to as a school teacher. This person is facing charges for violently attacking people. This is the left. And we can talk about what the left is up to, and we have to oppose the left, and we have to do this, we have to do that. It's only Judicial Watch that's in court 
doing the heavy lifting on this. This air of violence and intimidation by the left, it's happened. there are school teachers in California pursuing gauging in riots. There are activists paying paid to overthrow the Senate. And of course, the president's under assault from people in his own agencies through lawless acts of seditious activity. And the media won't want to tell you about it like that, but I will. And Judicial Watch is going to pursue these litiga- this litigation and lawsuits uh, to try to protect our republic. And we're proud to do it. Uh, I don't promote this enough. We have a great book, and it was published a few, I guess it was published a few years ago. It was a New York Times bestseller. We have two books out that are New York Times bestsellers. But this is the most recent one. It's called Clean House. And if you haven't picked it up, you should. Why? Because between this and the first book we published, which is District, what is the first book we covered? What's it called? The Corruption Chronicles. You would think I would know my New York Times bestseller title, but uh, forgive me, there's a lot going on. It's called The Corruption Chronicles. That was the first book published in 2012. This is the follow-on called Clean House, Exposing Our Government Secrets and Lies. So The Corruption Chronicles is, is the material you want to know about the Clinton crimes from the Clinton administration, uh, the corruption of the Bush administration, and the first part of the Obama administration. Great material in there. Then Clean House follows up. It talks about uh, Benghazi. It talks about the Clinton email scandal. So it's a great background. Between those two books, those are, the, that, those are your guidebooks to government corruption. And uh, Judge Napolitano, he, write, he wrote for the praise for Clean House. He wrote, when the history of these times is written, a few heroes will emerge. One of them will be Tom Fitton, he graciously said. Tom and his team at Judicial Watch have spent years fearlessly, fearlessly exposing the government, which resists their efforts kicking and screaming. Tom Fitton is living proof that we can only remain free when we know what the government is doing. Clean House is the story of this historic fight for government transparency. Read it with a warning. It will keep you up at night. And our friend Peter Schweitzer, who's author of Clinton Cash, and Peter loves Judicial Watch's work. He relies on some of it to expose the Clinton corruption he did in that book. No one is more effective and fearless in fighting corruption in Washington, D.C. than Tom Fitton and Judicial Watch. If you care about the future for our country and want to make a difference, read Clean House. It's time to put both Democrats and Republicans on notice. So we're doing all the work for Republicans and Democrats who are supposed to be doing the work in overseeing government corruption in a nonpartisan, effective way. It isn't being done. This government's out of control. And without Judicial Watch, it would be even further out of control. We know about the Clinton emails, thanks to us, Benghazi, IRS, you name it, fast and furious. But there's a lot more to be uncovered. We're on top of Russiagate. We're in the middle of the battles on keeping our border secure and fighting the lawlessness, promoting uh, extreme immigration, Uh, uh, this extremist agenda on immigration, no borders, open borders. It's Judicial Watch that's doing it, not Congress, and we're in court. So we're happy to do it. We can only do it with your support. I encourage you to get Clean House, and I encourage you to support our work directly with donations. I'm proud of our work, and I think you would be too, and so I hope you join our cause. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week with another edition of the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. 
Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.